Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. First John chapter 2, verse 16 is kind of, kind of be our launching verse, our launching pad verse. And um, as you know, over the last several weeks, we have, um, have seen through God's word, right, that God wants us to live in freedom. He wants us to live a life that is not bound to uh, the bondages that the enemy uh, has placed or, or tried to place in our life, or we've given room to those areas. Uh, we've called them open doors, where um, as believers, yes, as believers, we can have open doors that would allow the enemy to come in and begin to control, right, or, or um, not own, but control some of the th- your attitudes, some of the things that you do, things that you walk into that, man, as a believer, maybe you're like, why do I always do this? I know it's wrong. I know it's not something I'm supposed to be doing, but man, it just continues to kind of flow out of me. Well, we've been looking at it, and the Word of God's kind of pulled back this curtain to say, hey, there are areas in your life that sometimes we can open ourselves up to where the enemy comes in, and he begins to control, right? He begins to have this um, ability to kind of help you um, make wrong choices, misguide you to other things, and ultimately, it's not leading to what God has for you, because God's got good things for you. He's got good things in store for you. And so he wants you to live this life like we talked about in John chapter 10, 10, about he wants to live, have you live life and that life more abundantly. And so we've been kind of just looking at that. And we've talked about it. If I, if I had a door up here, I would, I would put a door up here because we've been talking about that. But think of it this way. If you had a door or you're at home and um, somebody comes to your door and they've got a black mask on, black clothes on, and you can identify them as somebody who wants to come in and do some bad things to, your, to you or to your house, right? To steal something. And he rings the doorbell, like your old school doorbell, or maybe you got a, a ring video thing, whatever one floats your boats, right? But he rings the doorbell and you go and you look through the peephole or you look at the video thing and you walk up and you just kind of crack your door open anyways. I mean, you can tell he's a thief. You can tell that he wants to come in, but you just crack it up, crack it open, and then you walk away thinking, oh, he won't come in, right? But that's an open invitation for him to walk right. I think that's what he's going to think. Oh, look, he opened the door for me. I can actually walk right in and just do what I want to do and all those things. Well, see, that's the same idea that we do with the enemy. Because sometimes, because of either a lack of, of um, control, a uh, lack of discipline, a lack of, um, you know, um, controlling your flesh, right? There are times that we allow little cracks in our door that is an open invitation for the enemy to come in and begin to put you in bondage to something. And so we've been kind of looking at, at all these different areas, different doors as we, we've called them. Um, that the enemy comes in. So I urge you to get the podcast. I urge you to look at the, at the video, uh, our, our, our online service videos, just to get an idea if you, you don't really know where uh, we're at or haven't been following along. But today I want to talk to you about, this is the title of our message, The Original Open Door. 
the original open door. Let me pray real quick. Holy Spirit, teach us about the original open door. Amen. So 1 John chapter 2, verse 16 says this, For all that is in the world, okay, this is in the world. It's not in heaven. It's in the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So right here, right, in this scripture, John the Beloved, right, identifies three main doors that the enemy uses to enter into people's lives. It's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. Now, last week we talked about kind of the pride of life because we talked about the fear of man, right? Because we, we don't want man to, you know, uh, we're, we're concerned about what man thinks about us. You know, if we're, we're too much of a Jesus person, then people are going to think you're a Jesus freak and all that stuff. And, but a lot of people, a lot of Christians sometimes, right? Kind of like, I'm more concerned about who these people say I am than who God says I am, right? To me, people are big and God is small. That's what we talked about, fear of man, right? So today we're going to talk about the lust of the eyes and how to deal with this open door in our life. Now, the, the word lust in the Greek is a compound word, okay? This word is epithomia, okay? That's, that's a good word, right? Epothi, ep, epo, man, I can't even say it now. Ep, ep, epithomia. I always practice these things at home and never quite get them right. Man, I'm listening to the little guy who says it out there, and he, and he tells you what it is, and then I try to repeat it. But whenever I get in front of you guys, I always butcher it. But thank you for being so gracious. So epi means upon, thamia means desire. So taken together, lust means to set your heart or desire upon something. But let's take it a step further. Lust of the eyes then is looking upon and having a strong, passionate desire for something that doesn't belong to you or something that God said is forbidden, forbidden, right? But we want it anyways. God says, no, that's forbidden. But we're like, oh, yes. But you know what? We see that it's so good. So good. And we we want that, right? And that's the exact tactic or, or open door that Satan used in the beginning with Adam and Eve. See, Adam and Eve opened the original door to Satan through the lust of the eyes. Because Eve looked on something that the serpent offered, Right? As a, as a strong and passionate desire with a disregard to what God said belonged to him. And then what did they do? They took it, right? God said, hey, this tree, don't touch. You can have everything else. You can have all the other trees in the garden. You can eat of it. It's good for you, all that stuff, but don't touch that tree. Yet the enemy comes, and we'll see, we'll see this in a minute. The enemy comes, and he paints this picture, and he, he presents it as though it's very, like, desirable. It's something that she wanted. She looked upon it. And then what she did, God said, that's mine. Don't take it. But what happened? The lust of the eyes made it so pleasurable and desirable that, you know what? Her and Adam took it. They took it. Okay. But so we have to be very careful because in this world, there are so many opportunities to allow the lust of our eyes to take over. 
right? So many things out there that we think, oh, man, look at that. I, man, I want that so bad. I want that. And it takes our vision, takes our eyes off of the Lord, and then we go and pursue this thing that we want so bad. You know, there, there are times when you, when you talk to people, and man, they're all about sometimes, man, I just, if I could just get this, if I could just do this, I, if, if I could just, whatever it is, and then next thing you know, you stop seeing them in church. And you're like, hey, where you been? Well, I finally got that thing that I wanted. And every, I, you know, we just, man, I got to use it. And so it takes them away from their relationship with God. So let's look at three ways the lust of the eyes shows itself, okay? Because it, it, it does it in many ways, but let me give you three ways. The first way is greed, okay? Greed. Genesis chapter 3. Verse number one, Genesis chapter three. If you don't have your Bible, you can read it right up on the board with me. But it says, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, okay, so notice he's casting doubt on God's word already. You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Can you just kind of hear that like sarcastic kind of voice coming out? But he says, you know what? You won't surely die. So here Satan is directly contradicting what God says. Man, doesn't he do that a lot? He does that a lot. I hear that in my head all the time. When I am looking at God's word, I'm trying to apply God's word, and all of a sudden, this voice in my head starts to contradict. Yeah, but, right? Yeah, you know, uh, that's not going to work. That's not going to be what's going to happen. Am I the only one alone on that? I don't think so, right? Because that's, that's how, who he is. He's a liar. Verse 5. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. Okay? Lust of the eyes. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. So Satan's strategy is to get you to doubt or to question the word of God in your life. That's part of his strategy. And where Satan, he wants to get you to the point where all of a sudden you've got, and I'm just going to call it this way, uh, kind of like butt syndrome, right? Because in your head, you know, you're trying to apply God's word, and all of a sudden it's but... Is that really work? Is that really going to work for you? But but is that is that God's word really um, real today? It's kind of outdated, right? It, it's not very practical. It's out, outdated, so it doesn't really apply to the things that we encounter today. But see, that's the thing where you got to shut that down and say, absolutely, it's applicable. 
Every single word that is written in this Bible is applicable for today and is real for today. We've got to, we've got to believe that. We've got to trust that. And what he'll do, he's kind of like, you know, a, a door-to-door salesman. He just wants to keep talking, talking, and try to get his foot in the door to get you to, you know, open yourself up. I remember one, one year, uh, this is back in California, and um, I think I drove home from work, and I saw this guy out, out, out on our cor- uh, uh, curb. I'm, I'm going to tell my wife here a little bit. But he was out on the curb, and he had this big thing with him, right? So I get home, and this guy was a Kirby vacuum salesman. Remember this story? Yeah. So next thing I know, this guy, man, he just would not relent. I mean, he was just pounding, you know, come on. Next thing you know, I think he gives us this full on, gets in our house, gives us this full on demonstration, da 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 da. And and at the demonstration, I'm all, so how much is this vacuum cleaner? And he's like, oh, it's just like $1,800 to $1,200 for a vacuum cleaner, right? And it was, but, but he was so persistent, and I'm not very good sometimes at, at being able to just push people off, right? I, that, that's on me. I'm just not. I mean, true story. As a kid, Jehovah Witnesses would come to our door. I couldn't say no to them. So I would give them the 75 cents for the watchtower, right? I'm not going to read it, but I'm just like, yeah, 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 here you go. I'm just not very good at, at, at pushing people away. So this guy comes and he does the full time. I'm like, no. But see, that, I, I, to me, that's just a, a really good sign of how the enemy comes. And I've, I've got to, I, I'm growing I, and, and I'm, I'm getting that process where I'm able to shut the door quicker and I'm not entertaining those things because sometimes you can entertain things and kind of stew on it and let it, you know, just kind of be in there. But man, I'm getting so much better at it. But we didn't buy the vacuum, just so you know. Um, you know, as a, as a, uh, a kid's pastor and uh, living on a parsonage, parsonage type thing, we ain't got no money for a vacuum cleaner that expensive. I don't care how good it is. But they say, I guess Kirby's are pretty good. But anyways, just so you know, I didn't do it. All right? So here, here you have Eve. She saw the tree, right? The one that the enemy kind of pointed out and said, hey, look, look at this thing. And that she saw that it was pleasant. Okay, I could have looked at that and said, oh, that's a really, oh, I desire that vacuum cleaner so much. You know, I'm going to just kind of, you know, do whatever it takes, but I didn't. But here she was looking at that tree, that it was pleasant. Now, here's the thing about it, and this is Genesis chapter 2, verse 9. All the trees in the garden were pleasant. They were good to look at. They were desirable. This is what it says. And out of the ground, the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. So there was nothing different about this tree than all the other trees. But see, Satan convinced her that that was, that tree was different. That tree was, there was something about that tree. And that word pleasant translates into greed, lust, or desire. So Eve's eyes, okay, which are a gateway to her heart. Understand that. Okay, you got gateways to your heart. Those gateways are your eyes, right? Your ears. But her eyes that are gateways to her heart tricked her into thinking that this tree had everything she could ever need to make her happy. And that God must be truly holding back on her. But man, aren't we sometimes that way? Sometimes we, we, we kind of approach it 
that way and think, well, man, if I go this direction because, man, that's, I, I think this is just it, where God's saying, no, I want you to go this direction. Sometimes we, 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 we get this desire within us that keeps us away, right? So here the enemy comes and he begins to whisper, right? I mean, what kind of God do you have that would withhold things from you? What, would, what, would he, what kind of God would say, this is mine but not yours? And really, it comes down to this principle that we're really going to kind of talk about today. And that, that's just the principle of taking what belongs to God and honoring him by giving back to him what already belongs to him. Can I say that again? I'm going to say it anyways. Right? The principle of taking what belongs to God and honoring him by giving back to him what already belongs to him in the form of tithe and offering. Okay, now we're going to be talking about tithe and we're going to talk about offering a little bit here. And this is not a message, hear me out, about, hey, we need more money. Okay, just, just laying it out there. What it is, 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 is for us to recognize that this principle is an open door. Because what we'll see in scripture, that God wants us to be people of integrity, people who are seeking after him, but also allowing ourselves to humbly submit ourselves with our tithe and with our offering. Okay? So do you still love me? Okay. All right? Perfect. I love it. Okay? Because in this whole thing, greed plays a factor, not on God's part, but on our part. Okay? So, we want to close the door in our life, right? If we, if we don't practice this principle, we're not going to close the door. We leave it wide open for the enemy. So Adam and Eve, what they did, they, they opened the door, right? Their sin was that they took what belonged to God. Because God said you could have it all except the one thing, right? And that's the one thing they took from the tree. Now, why would God do this, right? Like you look at, why would God do it? Well, if, if, you, if you like reading your Bible, read Deuteronomy 8 sometime, okay? But the reason why he does this is to test you so he can bless you, right? He tests you so he can bless you. So God was testing them as to whether or not they would honor and trust him. And he does the same thing for us. He does the exact same thing to us. He wants to see if you and I, right? I'm including myself. If we will live by faith and do what he tells us to do in the area, in an area such as our finances. So that he can bless us. Now, listen, but if we fail the test, then we are saying my greed overrides my trust in God. If we fail the test. That's not good, is it? When you, when you think about it in that, that sense. So God gives you and I tests, but here's the deal. Praise the Lord for this, okay? It's not like, they're not new tests with new answers, all the time, okay? 
But what they are is they're the same tests with the same answers. Over and over and over. And you find those answers where? In God's word. So we actually have, and you know, you don't like to say that, but you actually have a cheat sheet in this life, in these tests, and basically is going back to God's word every single time and applying God's word. That's the answer. Over the fact of anything else that we would choose to think that's the answer. No, if we bring it right back to God's word, then there's the answer. So here's the answer to the financial test. If you haven't caught it already, honor him with your tithe and offering. Okay? But it's not easy for most people. That's where that greed comes in, right? And so here's the deal. When, with this test, if you pass it, this is the great part, okay? If you pass the test, it then turns around and tests God's promises, Got that? If you pass the test, it automatically flips it to where now God has to come through. Because God said he would. God promised that he would. He wants you to put him to the test so that you could see him pass the test with A++++++++ flying colors. But see, we don't, we don't recognize that sometimes. This is what Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 says. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open up, I will open the windows of heaven for you. Man, can you imagine that? I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Then it says, try it. Put me to the test. And this is a test that God will not fail. I guarantee you. He will not fail. You know why? Because he wrote the test. But he can't prove it unless you put the test in motion. Because it's right there. God doesn't force anything on us. It's our choice. But he won't fail the test because he's the one that wrote the test mind explosion and that's with anything in God's word anything that's going to test you God was the one that wrote the test so he will not fail if you put him to the test just just won't happen right and he's given you answers he's given you every single answer you need in the word but you know what he wants to find out things about you do you have an open door to greed? Do you have an open door to where, man, your money is, is ruling over you? Right? It says the love of money is the root of all evil. But it's, it's I love money. Doesn't mean that money's evil. Right? Because money is needed sometimes to help further the kingdom of God. God knows that. But see, it says this love of it that sometimes we attach ourselves to and we can't let it go. But see, that's what, that's what God's trying to get us to understand. When we don't let it go, we've cracked the door open. We've cracked the door open. So 
It's about who are you going to thank and honor with your increase. Man, are you going to believe that 90% of God's blessing will go farther than 10% that you give in the tithe? Will you believe that 90% will go farther? Right? Tithe means 10% or 10. Right? And there's all kinds of, you can look in the Bible, there's all kinds of tests that God does with, with 10. Right? The plagues. 10 plagues. That was testing, you know, Pharaoh and all that stuff. But will you believe that 90% of God's blessing will go farther than 10%? Are you going to live a life of faith? Or are you going to live a life that the enemy tells you, yeah, you can't do that. Don't do that. Man, God's just greedy. No, he's not greedy. He, he, he's not at all. We'll see, we'll see that in a minute. But see, a lot of people fail the test. Because either they don't understand the spiritual significance of it, and they just kind of lack understanding, or they don't think it's necessary sometimes to support kingdom work. So instead, they spend it on the things they see, the things they want, and the things they feel they need. Now, recognize, you got 90%. God's got the shorter end of the stick, right? Yeah, you still got the 90% to work with and, and, and do and all that stuff. God's only got 10% of it. So, we, we, it really comes down to this area of greed in our life, right? The lust of the eye. The more I see in my bank account, the better it is. But see, we need a revelation of the fact that all of our money, right, belongs to God. Let me, let me give you a couple, a few scriptures. We're just going to run through them really quick. First Chronicles 29, 12. Both riches and honor come from you. Man, that's small reading, huh? Hopefully oh, you got your glasses and you got your contacts on. Okay. But both riches and honor come from you. Not hit them, but come from God. Let me give you another scripture. Ah, there we go. Indeed, heaven and the highest heavens belong to the Lord, your God. Also, the earth with all that is in it. Is finances in it? Yeah. Right? And it says, belongs to the Lord, your God. Also, the earth with all that is in it. Everything belongs to God. Another, another scripture, when David, when they were presenting the temple, 1 Chronicles 29, 14 says this, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? So man, he's like, man, how, how could we ever give as much? It says, for all things come from you and of your own, we have given you and of your own, they're talking to God, we have given to you. So he's saying, all of this is yours. Every bit of it is yours. And so, man, our heart needs to align to, to be able to say, man, God, this is yours, right? So the test of the tithe is not about money. It's about your heart. It's about your heart attitude towards the Lord. Now, the first time tithe was mentioned, or tithing was mentioned in the Bible, is in Genesis chapter 14. Genesis chapter 14. And if we were to use a kind of a Bible study principle called the law of first use. Okay, so I'm giving you some heavy, deep stuff here, right? But the law of first use 
which is basically finding where a word or doctrine was first used and then study that. Okay? Because the reasoning is the Bible's first use of the concept or the word is the simplest, clearest presentation of the concept. Okay? So you could, a lot of stuff happened in Genesis, right? If you go back, the very first use of it. And then you get all this, you get all the stuff that ties in, in in the Old Testament to the New Testament, all that. But a lot of times you can take it back and say, okay, this might give me the clearest understanding of what this all means. And so let's look at Genesis chapter 14 real quick when, when we see this happen. Okay? This is when Abraham encounters Melchizedek. And it says, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God most high. And he blessed him. Now, think about it. Here's, here's, here's his king, and he's a priest at the same time. And I just, it just caught my attention. But I, you look at it and go, oh, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. He comes out and greets Abraham with bread and wine? What do we use bread and wine for? Communion. Or, well, it should have said bread and grape juice, right? But, but communion. Here, here, Abraham, after he receives whatever he gets, he comes to the king and, and the priest of the most holy God, and the very first thing is, here he is, he's taking communion to signify his relationship with God. That's pretty cool to me. And then it says, because he's in that, the priest then blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of God the Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God, blessed be God Most High, uh, who has delivered your enemies in your hand. And it says, and he, that's Abraham, Gave him a tithe of all. Right? He gave him a tithe after he was blessed. Think about it. Abraham was blessed first. Then Abraham gave a tithe. It's not the other way around. Okay? So, the other thing to notice about this scripture is notice that the tithe wasn't commanded It wasn't manipulated, nor was it taken from Abraham. See, a lot of people get hung up on that sometimes. But this very first use shows that it was an offering from the heart of Abraham. Right? So he honored the king of Salem. Right? His office as king and priest of the Most High. Which then, if you you fast forward to Hebrews chapter 7... It talks about Abraham and Melchizedek and how Melchizedek was a type of Christ in his um, high priestly ministry. And so here you have this, this, this great picture of the fact that Abraham's heart was turned to God and it wasn't about being hung up on anything. It was the fact that he recognized that everything came from God. Therefore, his heart needed to return back to God what was his. So, From the very beginning, tithing to God was a matter of the heart. And and it's demonstrated by us as God's people. When we demonstrate that, then that, you know what happens? We close a door. We close the door to the lust of the eye, to the greed. Right? We bring a portion of the first fruits of what belongs to God. Now, you can go into the whole thing about fruits and all that stuff, and I'm not going to go into that because we don't have enough time. 
But it's the first fruits of what belongs to God that he gave him. And so greed is the first open door. Do you see that? The first open door to the lust of the eyes. The second is unbelief. The second is unbelief. God's people show their unbelief when they don't bring the tithe to God. Because sometimes they don't feel like it's really relevant for today. I I hear that argument a lot. It's not relevant for today. We We don't need to do that. But if we can just lay aside all of the arguments and, and just take it to the heart issue, right? Just, just take it right there. And I, I would ask this question, what is wrong with honoring God with 10%? What is wrong with that? Absolutely nothing, right? There was a, kid, there was a song being an ex-kids pastor that we would sing in a kids' church with the smaller kids. And it was nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing. And so I'm, gonna, I'm doing that to you right now. Nothing. Not, there is absolutely nothing wrong, right, with, with honoring God with, with 10%. Because it's all that he's provided for you. Oh, my gosh. Can you think about that? If you didn't have God and you're trying to make it in this world, and you, you, you man, what is wrong with just giving that portion to him? Also, check this out. Okay, there is not one thing in the New Testament that is stated that retracts the law of the tithe, directly or indirectly, because people argue that, too. Well, it's not really mentioned. Well, it's mentioned a couple places, but there's nothing in there that, that takes away from the tithe. Doesn't, doesn't retract it, doesn't say, no, no, tithing you know, is not there. But again, it's a hard issue. And then you have those who would say, oh, well, you know, um, every man is to give as he purposes heart. It's not meant to be a tithe. But that's what tithe is, isn't it? To some degree. I mean, it's given with purpose. Because you purpose to give that 10% to him, right? It's deliberate. It's systematic. It's not according to whim or to accident. And then there are those that say, I can't afford it. I can't afford to do it. I have obstacles in my finances and life right now. But really, that, that statement, if you're a believer, is born out of selfishness and unbelief. Right? That unbelief is you saying to God, God is too small. And I'm insignificant to God. For him to actually show up and radically change my finances. That's what unbelief says. I can't can't believe that God would show up and radically change my finances. But man, I I hear stories. I've seen it in my own life. That man, when you put that tithe first, God shows up. Right? Remember, he, he wrote the test. So he has the answer to the test. And he wants the test for you to get it right, and then when you get it right, he wants to show you, yeah, man, I'll make sure that happens. But, but it's something we have to, have to grab a hold of. So our unbelief will cause us to take what is God's for our own purpose, which is essentially you're stealing from God. 
Malachi kind of takes it up another notch, right? We were already in there, but this is a whole other portion of it. Malachi chapter 3, verse 7 and 12, it says, Yet from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances. So this is God. He's talking to the, the, the nation of Israel. And, he, and he's talking to him and he says, Yet from the days of, of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances. His ordinances are just basically, you know, ordinary principles. And he's going to talk about the tithe and the offering. Ordinary principles for God's people. He says this, and have not kept them. So he's saying, hey, you haven't even kept my ordinary principles. He says, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. That's what a promise right there. But then he goes on and says, but you said, in what way shall we return? Okay. Now they're missing the spiritual significance of this. Uh, It says, will a man rob God, yet you have robbed me. Now, there's a difference between being a thief and a robber. A thief is when someone goes in and takes something when a person is not at home. But robbing is when when a person is home and they come in and they take something from them. So here's God. Get the picture. He's not saying, hey, you thieved me. You're a thief. What he's saying is, you robbed me. So God is saying, you robbed me. You want to know why? Because I am in the house. Where's the house? Church? Where you fellowship? Where you worship? God's in the house. And he said, when that is not coming in, then you know what? You are actually robbing me because I am there. And you're coming in and, and, and taking then he says this, but you say, in what, what ways have we robbed you? And then he says, in tithe and offerings, you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. So, cursed because they withheld from God. Right? They opened the door to the enemy and caused, him, caused them to, to step out from under God's blessing and God's covering. But notice, it's not God cursing them. It's because they stepped out. They withheld. So when they withheld, then they're no longer under that, that umbrella of blessing. Un, under the umbrella of, of his, his covering. So, we, so this unbelief leads to withholding from God. Verse 10 says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, And try me, right? Or test me. Now in this, now he's talking about now, if you test me, what are you doing? Closing the door, right? Says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will will not be room enough to receive it. And, right, by you closing the door, I will rebuke the devourer, for your sakes, right? So in other words, man, you're gonna, he's going to close the door. You're going to close the door. That, then God can take care of the attacks that Satan has in your life on, on your finances. So that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will, be call, will, will call you blessed. All nations, all people. For you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. So even though, listen, 
We are believers in Christ and have total victory over the enemy. We still need to appropriate it by not withholding from God what is rightfully his. Thus, we then close the door to the lust of the eye, to unbelief. Because God wants you to be blessed. He wants to rebuke the devourer, right? The only picture I have, because we've been watching this Netflix show called Heartland. It's all about horses. Who knows? Anyways, I just follow along with whatever my wife wants to watch. But... But it has to do with horses, and they have some at the racetrack. And when a horse is in that gate, man, they're getting the horse ready, man. To, 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 once that gate opens, boom, they're gone, for, right? I, sometimes I get that picture where God's like going, come on, man, I want to rebuke the devourer. Come on, man, open that gate. Open that gate. Come on, let me go. Let me go. But see, we, 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 when, we, when we don't do that, when we don't tithe, we don't we give, then you know what? God, God, the gate's still like holding him back. So we have to close the door in order to release God, to, to devour. The, he wants to do that. But man, he firmly states we have to bring the tithe and offering into the house for him to be able to do it. Now, not everything goes perfect, right? When you tithe and you give offerings. But there is a benefit to it, right? Again, kind of like being under that umbrella, of God's protection. So, just a, a quick little thing here. When, when the enemy comes to challenge you that God's word is not for day, it's, today, it's not going to work for you. You know, yeah, he loves that person, but he doesn't love you. Malachi 3.6, God said this. He said, I am the Lord, I do not change. Remind the enemy of that. He's the Lord. He doesn't change. What God's, God's ordinary principle of tithing and offering does not change. Hebrews 13.8 says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So stand on that. Say, man, you know what? I believe. And what God's word says is true. And I'm going to pass the test to enter the rest. Right? All right. The third thing is fear. The lust of the eyes is fear. Now, let's, let's jump into the story of Judas in Luke chapter 22, verses 3 and 5. Man, right off the bat, this just, man, boom, hits you. Okay? Because it says, then Satan entered Judas. So Judas had an open door. Right? Remember we talked kind of about that? When we have open doors, man, the Lord's kind of like, I, I can't do something with that because you have allowed the enemy in. So what do, you, what do you think his thing was, his open door was? Fear, right? But let me read this first. It says, then Satan entered Judas, surnamed Iscariot, who was numbered among the 12. Verse four. So he went his way, and conferred with the chief priests and the captains how he might betray him to them. And they were glad and agreed to give him money. Now that open door, I believe, is fear in Judas. You say, well, how did, why did Judas have fear? Well, I think that there was fear that Jesus wasn't 
He felt that Jesus wasn't who he said he was. I mean, he'd been with them all along, right? But there was something about it, I think, that, that the enemy started to create fear inside of him that Jesus really wasn't who he said he was and that he wasn't going to, to set up this earthly kingdom to rule over the Roman government. So in that fear, I think he began to think about his future. He began to think, oh, I, got, well, I, I, don't, I don't know what to do. Right? So let's look at John chapter 12, verse 1 through 6. It says, Then, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was. We're going to give you a little background here um, about, about Lazarus and, and kind of his, his heart. Where Lazarus was, who had been dead, um, whom he had raised from the dead. There made him um, a supper. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, okay? And it says, anointed the feet of Jesus, wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of oil. But one of, the, of his disciples, who was it? Judas, right? Simon's son, who, who, who would betray him, said, why was the fragrant, fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? 300 denarii at that time was a full year's wages. Okay? So he's saying, why, why, why didn't you do that? But, but this is so cool because he says, well, you should have gave it to the poor. But then he said, this he said, not that he cared for the poor. That's key. Because I'm like, oh, well, now Judas, he managed to be having compassion on the poor. He didn't care about the poor. But because he was a thief and had the money box, and he used to take what was put in it. Think about that, man. It's like, you know. Now, let me, let me give you this. Guy. None of us here today, I, I, I honestly believe this, right? None of us would um, go by that little offering box right there. Right? And um, take money out of it and steal from God. I don't think any of us would do that. But what about when we don't honor God? Okay, what about when we don't honor Him and bring God His part? It's the same thing. We're stealing from God. Just like taking money out of that thing, when we have been given the ability, right, the resource, when, when does this test happen? This test happens every time you get paid. Every time you get paid, the test is there. And so when we don't give to God, then just, just let it sink in, okay? I'm not putting any, like, you know, pressure, any condemnation on you, anything like that. But just let it sink in. It's something to chew on. But if, if I'm walking by... And I'm not giving to God what needs to be given to God because I love God. It's the, it's the attitude of my heart to just show him that, man, you've blessed me so. Then I'm kind of doing the same thing as going back there and taking whatever's been given. That, I mean, that, that's some pretty deep stuff. Right? So we, we kind of then become thieves because, you know what, we're more concerned about our future and the fear of not having God provide for us. And I don't, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. 
how in the world am I going to, to navigate all this? Instead of saying, you know what? No, Lord, I put my faith and my trust in you more than I do in man, more than I do in my situations. But it's, it's something to think about it, right? But if we do that, then what are we doing? We're opening a door, just like what happened to Judas, and allowing the enemy to come in. So let me give you a couple more scriptures. So here's what Jesus, I mean, here's what Judas sold Jesus for. Matthew 26, 15. Says, and, and said, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? Now, you remember, he's in fear because he doesn't think Jesus is going to be who Jesus said he was going to be. He, he, he didn't think that he was going to um, come and, and establish the, the godly kingdom over the Roman government. And he said, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver. Now, that's the price of a slave in the Old Testament. 30 pieces of silver was the price for a slave in the Old Testament. Then in Matthew chapter 27, verses uh, 3 through 5, it says, Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, that's Jesus, was remorseful and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? Like, they're just blowing them off. What is that to us? You see to it. Like, you go use it. Then, I love this because he, you know, he, he, he's, he's got this thing going on. The Holy Spirit dealing with him, right? But it says, then he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. I don't like that part, okay? But where did they get the 30 pieces of silver from? You ever thought about that? From the church treasury. Right? From the church treasury. And they didn't want it back when Judas offered it because you think, oh, hey, great. But see, that was blood money. And, and, and then the scripture talks about that, that you can't put blood money back into the church treasury. So they went and bought a field. They fulfilled a prophecy, right? And it, they called it the field of blood. But maybe, you know, I, thinking about it, we maybe have never thought of it this way before. But it sure looks like they took the money the, the offering money, the tithe money to portray Jesus. Took it right out in order to portray Jesus. And most of us would think, man, I would never do that. Right? I, 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 would, I would never do that. But here's a hard question to ask yourself. Would you betray Jesus for 10%? Would you betray him for the 10% of the tithe? Adam, you can come on up. Or whoever's doing backup. And if you would, then all I can say is you are opening a door to the enemy. You are opening a door to Satan to come in and to, to put you into bondage to the lust of the eye. But that is not God's heart for you. He's, he's gracious. He's loving. Right? But it's all about your heart. And like I said, this is not a message to get more money into the church. Man, we're believing God. But see, it's between you and, you, and, you and the Lord. So God's heart for you is to be set free. If, if you're walking in this bondage. If you're walking in, in the, the unbelief, the, the greed, 
the fear of, of, of financial things. His heart is he wants to set you free from that. And so I'm, gonna, I'm closing it right here. And um, Adam, I just want you to play, play some music just like you're doing right now. And I want to give you a moment. Maybe two. Depends. But I just want you, between you and God right now, to just talk to him about what we just talked about. Because I, I don't know where any of you lie. I don't look at any of the books. I don't care about that stuff. But I'm just praying and hoping that the Holy Spirit is speaking right now. And that if there are things that, that you, you need to work with through him about right now, that you would do that in, in these few moments. And then what I'll do is I'll pray, right? I'll, I'll come up, I'll, I'll pray. And then we'll, we'll, we'll call our service, it'll, it'll be done. But just take the, these few minutes, just between you and Jesus, between you and the Holy Spirit, and see what, what, what he would lay on your heart. So this morning, Holy Spirit, I thank you for speaking loudly to us. Lord, you know where each one of us is, maybe where, maybe we fall in the lines of those three areas. Maybe we don't, and praise God for that. But I know that you, Holy Spirit, always have a plan and and an agenda to talk to us and to lead us closer to being more like Jesus, to being more like our Father. And so I'm just asking you to do that today. I'm asking you to take the word that has been spoken today and let it just resonate in our hearts. Let it, let it just kind of um, find a place in our hearts, our minds, and our spirits as we process it. And Lord, I pray that you would give each one of us, Lord, if we find ourselves in that category that needs to close that door, that you would give each one of us courage. Courage to say, I believe God more than I believe man. I believe God more than my finances, more than what I see in my checkbook, whatever it is. And Lord, because it's not, it's not about finances for the church from the bottom of my heart Lord it's not about that it's not about that for Lakeshore 
but it's, it's about closing a door that some of us have left wide open for the enemy to come in and hold us in this bondage where, Lord, you said, man, if, if we would just step up to the test, that, Lord, you would provide more than enough where you would open the windows of heaven. I can't even imagine how big that window is, but it's bigger than the windows in my house. And you said that you would pour out a blessing upon your people. And so, Lord, we, we just, just want, you, want your will to be done. We want your heart in every area of our life to be pure, pure in motive, pure and holy in your sight, that, we, that we're serving you over everything else. And so I thank you for, for just speaking us to us today. I thank you for speaking to us throughout this week. And as we listen, I thank you, Lord, that, that we have guts to apply it. And that, Lord, we'll see you get an A++++ on what you promised. Because that's who you are. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we love you for that. We thank you, Lord, for all that you did today. In Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe. And check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.